you know, I've heard this cliche 150,000 times, but I'll say it one more time. I've heard many say that it's better to cry in a BMW than to laugh in the metro, the mass transit. Like who needs a job satisfaction and all those mambo jumbos when you can actually have a life of luxury. Think of, uh, you know, spending eight hours a day in a soul sucking environment. But on the contrary, you get to home, you get to go home to a mansion uh, or at least a studio apartment if you're in Mumbai uh, with a view of the dumpster at times. <laughs> sure, your co-workers may be as welcoming as a porcupine's embrace, a tight hug. Uh, and your boss may be a cross between a dictator and a drill sergeant. But hey, at least you have the latest iPhone. Maybe a 7 series BMW. What else do you need? You have the ability to drown in your sorrows in a glass of Chianti and fava beans at the end of each day. Why are you cribbing? Why are you complaining? Does it sound like a workplace that you work at? I mean, if yes, you're smack in the middle of a toxic chemical factory which masquerades as a candy store. I promise, after this episode, you'll never look at chocolates in the same way. <laughs> My point is, why have we normalized a toxic workplace? You know, when we hear stuff like high levels of stress, communication challenges, micromanagement, you know, retaliation or fear of the boss and no work-life balance, we just call it part of life because you get paid, you are working in a multinational company and the perks and benefits galore. So why are you complaining about all of this? Isn't this a part of part and parcel of the work? If the answer is no, what is it that you can do about it? That is what we are going to discuss in Bus Talk today. So we're going to look at it from three perspectives. First, from your perspective, as in the employee side of the story. Then we will also examine the same parameters from the employer's side of the story. What's their point? And then the truth, like I always mention, right? There are three sides to the story, your version, my version, and the truth. And so there has to be, I don't know if there is a truth to this, but if you are in a toxic workplace, what can you do about it? You know, there are times when people don't realize that they are in a toxic environment because that's what's been their fate from day one. So they're like, oh, this is so out of syllabus. These guys talk about work-life balance and, you know, peaceful and get my voice heard. That doesn't exist really. And I don't know why even there needs to be one. <laughs> there are tons of people who are absolutely quote-unquote ignorant about what constitutes a toxic workplace. So I will touch a little bit on that. How do you know that you are in one? What can you do about it? And uh, and of course, give you the employer's perspective. And then eventually when you evaluate it, both the sides, what is the third side? What is the actual balance of this stress that is induced of, from this toxic environment. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to Bus Talk, a podcast about your life at work where I tell you about things that no one tells you at work. A quick shout out to all those people who showed so much of love for the previous episodes, especially, you know, LinkedIn connections from a leader's point of view. That particular episode is garnering a lot of downloads and streams. So thank you. That has been useful to you. Thank you so much. And do spread the word and share. Basically, for those who haven't heard it, do give it a listen. It talks about better leveraging LinkedIn so that you understand from a leadership's standpoint. You know, we all send connection invites and requests to the leaders. So what do the leaders think? And 
therefore can you learn something from it so it touches upon that so it's quite interesting so if you haven't heard it yet do give it a listen all right with that let's jump into today's conversation what is a toxic workplace and how do you know you are in one well first up if you feel constantly stressed anxious and overwhelmed at work it might be the biggest sign of a toxic workplace the next hot favorite is of course micromanagement if you're feeling like everyone is watching you you're like the cameras on you and the eyes on you and everything is mapping every single thing that you do and people are being prescriptive and say just do this it's a straight jacketed role this is what you do you've been watched criticized scrutinized by your managers this might be a good sign that you're in a toxic workplace maybe you're just not allowed to be yourself right and you're getting interfered even before you walk up to the cafeteria for example and so micromanagement can create a very stressful uncomfortable work environment it probably is damaging your mental health more than you can probably imagine likewise if you notice high turnover rates right if you're noticing people are just quitting left right and center and there's nothing to do with layoffs people are just fed up uh, I, i mean these are all and i'll come to the dichotomy of it later but when you notice that more number of people are exiting than joining and the average tenure in the organization has uh, is consistent consistently reducing you know something is not right somewhere isn't it and so that definitely is a red flag for a uh, high high toxic workplace last but not the least i mean the list is exhaustive right but i just pick three or four points is your work life balance you clearly are working 12 hours and even after work you're not able to switch off and people are demanding reports people are having unreasonable demands and so on so forth you work probably on weekends and in many cases your monday begins on sunday 7 pm these are classic examples of a toxic workplace now let's tr- uh, figure out what's the dichotomy in all of this right what could be the possible other side of the story you heard one side of the story now let's hear the other side of the story before we get to the truth so let's take each each of the same points that i mentioned just about high levels of stress now the given the complexity of the customer landscape the business landscape the workplace in general why would it be a simple vanilla workplace right do, why do you even anticipate that uh there will be no stress in fact if you really do a stress analysis and try and understand why is it that people have stresses many people will many management people will come back and say well they were not being efficient and here is how something that could have been done in 3 hours flat they spent 3 days doing it and then when we ask for a report people balk at us and you know they get upset about it like what am i supposed to do we have a business to run if people are not being efficient and then calling it a workplace toxicity then there's a problem is it not so that's why and and therefore stress is not just on you stress is on us as well imagine having to shepherd a 10 member team or a 100 member team every single day that is a stressful situation if everything were to function on its own the way it's supposed to the way it's meant to then we needn't have to do any of this Uh, you know micromanagement if you will let's talk micromanagement micromanagement there's a slight difference what the management says is look at micromanagement as a insurance policy 
like do you want to land up on the penultimate day of the quarter or the end of fiscal and say oops we missed and so the question promptly will be why did you miss why did you not get it fixed earlier well uh, i thought i'll let people figure it out on their own can you say that would you say that as an employee when you become a manager or a leader or a boss look how sorry a figure will you cut for yourself saying well i knew this was happening but i didn't do because i wanted people to get their space to breathe right and so that won't happen right it's a protection policy and guess what once you miss your numbers your deliverables your goals so who benefits from it nobody the company doesn't benefit but you also don't make your incentives what joy is that you don't get paid your variable income is that good it's not good right i mean let's be fair so what is micromanagement micromanagement is basically breaking down of the end goal into specific timelines and ensuring that those micro milestones those micro milestones are met so give you an example of a typical micro milestone think of a given month right and if you're a sales guy you have a target of closing say $400,000 of revenue hypothetically don't freak out $400,000 of revenue in the given month divide that by 4 weeks so roughly $100,000 a week $100,000 divided by 5 days is roughly $20,000 per day $20,000 by say an average deal size of say 4k right so 4 fives are 20 you at least need to close five deals on monday if you miss closing five deals on monday then what happens on tuesday it becomes 5 plus 5 becomes 10 do you have the bandwidth to close 10 deals on tuesday no so once you miss those days there is no catching up on the next day isn't it and this is just at a very small level at a large organization level it could be resulting in a massive revenue loss which is unrecoverable you miss your forecast basically it's a nightmare when you have to present a situation to your boss or the management or the stakeholders saying that well you had a forecast in mind but you are off target people will say that you do not have a grip on your business you don't understand how your business will flow you don't buffer for bad debts or losses and you know everything goes up and hits the fan so what else do you do you want to make sure that no member of your team misses those micro milestones at any point in time during the fiscal right the trouble starts when some of these managers don't know the difference between being a guardrail versus being a interfering manager interference means whatever this person is trying to do you interfere in that like it cuts so many ways right the the guy is saying i know i will get my forecast by friday don't you know be all over my head on monday but the manager is saying if you don't get it on monday how will you get it on tuesday and then the pressure is on you to find the magic deal you know you go for a higher deal size that's one way of compensating the loss the day gone by where is that magic deal how many do you have and if you don't have answers to that then clearly there will be stress and so we have to understand you know let's not have a blanket definition of micromanagement as being a, a absolutely negative thing it is not and that's the dichotomy of it all next high turnover rates if your workplace has high turnover where more people are quitting than are joining maybe it's a sign for you now again this has a dichotomous out 
come do it as well i have had instances where people have walked up to me and said i'm quitting like why are you quitting i think i'm not valued here i said why is that that no i did 100% attainment for the last four quarters like okay that's why you got your salary <laughs> and he said no no i've done more than 100% attainment in at least two of the quarters so that's why you got your incentives so what else stresses you out so i'm not getting promotion and like but who told you that if you get 100% attainment or a little above 100% attainment you automatically um, you know warrant a promotion promotions are discretionary right is it a birthright no it is not you know but the real reason what's the real reason this person which we never they never share with us as in in the leadership or the management this person got cheesed off by his or her flatmate what <laughs> you know when he had gone back home yesterday his uh, room partner maybe or colleague or friend or sibling whatever might be the case said hey i got a raise i got a promotion and that kind of set fire to this person like oh my god what am i doing you know he immediately plunges himself into existential crisis like oh my god i'm missing out the fomo kicks in fear of missing out my career is getting over i'm working in this place for the last 10 months 12 months and uh, i'm not getting any promotions uh, they don't even talk about any raises so i'm stressed <laughs> and so how do you know right and, and the, it comes to us as in the leadership that i'm stressed and uh, i'm quitting and so beyond a point what do you do you can explain them to them that look you've got to be patient it's a 30 year career not that you have to spend all the 30 years here but divide the 30 year careers into three decades decade 1 2 and 3 in the first decade you are at the seventh year mark so you know the give this tenure at least 24 to 36 months before reassessing where you stand that's a legit time for you to figure out if this is working out for you or not working out for you then i often ask them do you have a career plan like what career plan like then why are you getting frustrated if you don't have a career plan is there a written no no i have a career plan but do you have it written down can you show it to me <laughs> no i can't show it to you then why are you getting stressed no it's, it's a legit question right why are you getting stressed you don't even have a plan you just are getting agitated because you see folks around you who probably are at a similar level than to what you are in many cases who are who are probably lower than you are now earning more than you well what's wrong with that just pause and think about it what's wrong with that because it has happened to all of us have you all grown the same way at the same pace at the same time no there have been instances where i've gotten promoted ahead of my peer and there have been instances where my peer has gotten promoted ahead of me you know when you really travel the distance of like 15 20 years of your career and you look back whether you got to become a director at age 35 or 38 or 40 becomes a completely immaterial conversation it's a pointless conversation what you do about that position from that point on to the next level to the next remainder part of your career is what matters so then why are you getting stressed so sometimes when you hear you know turnover rates and all those kind of things then people say oh it's such a stressful work environment and last but not the least is the lack of work life balance and if your workplace does not prioritize work life balance expects employees to work long hours and weekends and almost be a slave to the 
job and almost like bonded labor and you can't your hands are tied you demanding boss and the boss is asking random reports at all times some of which don't even go beyond day 1 in terms of its applicability you get frustrated now let me give you the other side of the story remember we talked about the dichotomy of this all these stress inducing situations the best bet the best way to understand that your business is in a healthy space is to know what the hell is going on in the business how do you know that when there is not just a report but consistency of data when you you as leaders we often detect a pattern we don't really need to dive in so deep to figure out what went wrong where we it's like give you an example think of your expenses right you've been spending 10 rupees 12 rupees 10 rupees 12 rupees sometimes 13 sometimes 7 over a period of a month but one fine day you spend 35 rupees just and so it's a spike and so folks in the leadership pick up on that anomaly the uh oh this number looks off it could be a dip it could be a spike it could be whatever you know one of the most common things many sales folks do is like they say oh i have got a very bullish forecast like i'm going to like blow the forecast away and you know do well like why is that like i'm going to do about 120% of my numbers like great then let's dive in you dive in you figure out that there are 10 deals which are of you know 2k value and that there is one deal which is 45k and so <laughs> the person is banking on that now is it wrong to bank on a big deal no but as history would tell you that the probability or the risk factors of a big deal closing are at least 3x of the run rate business right so what businesses want to see is that have you secured your forecast with the run rate business and let the swing deal or the spike deal come as a exception to the rule and so you can treat it as an exception because magic deals don't happen every month right they don't they aren't that many magic deals in the market as much as it like them to be despite the economy doing well or worse if it is worse clearly the space is even farther but if uh, economy is doing amazingly well even then finding magic deals is very difficult and so people often get very bullish and say well i i've got this uh, everything covered and then when uh, the manager dissects that report and finds this anomaly then people say i'm getting stressed out like how can you get stressed out when we are highlighting a legitimate business question will it help you for example i always put it put the question back to you if that 45k deal tanks slips misses will you benefit from it you lose a chunk of your incentive right so think about all these points and before quote unquote calling it a stress factor realize where the efficiencies are missing and so this is the dichotomy of all of these uh, workplace toxicities and so you heard one side of the story where the employee shared why they feel stressed out then you heard from the leadership side of the story so why these are potentially not stress inducing so what is the third side let's find out the truth the truth is very uncomfortable it's true that workplace toxicity has been normalized it's true that it exists more rampantly than people could care to imagine it's also true 
that many people have voluntarily knowingly signed up for it and remain quiet and it's also true many many people have no other alternative and choice to do anything else other than what is available the other reality is if you quit one toxic workplace it does not guarantee you a toxicity free workplace in the next organization what if it could be a frying pan to fire kind of a situation and you get into deeper shit and so <clears throat> excuse me so given all these realities that exist today it is increasingly difficult to label a company that there will be no toxic work culture no politics no stress no pressure so people have kind of acknowledged this as part of reality and unfortunately so but as is the case with every such situation there is a threshold of tolerance there's a threshold there's a snapping point there's a tipping point the trouble happens when more people reach that tipping point once you do you will not know when you slip over to the other side and then you can't recover yourself back it's incredibly difficult to pull yourself back once you've slipped over to the other side what is the other side you may ask the other side is a total mental breakdown it's a nervous breakdown it could be you could even have a stroke you could have a heart attack you could if you develop high blood pressure you could have a cerebral attack whole bunch of things can happen i don't intend to freak you out but these things are silent killers even somebody who has a tendency towards uh, diabetes suddenly could get a spike because out of stress sugar is induced in the body and so these are real scenarios that happen and people are riding their luck to a large extent like i said there are those who will say well i didn't have a choice give me a job find me a company which has none of this right and it's a peaceful 9 to 6 kind of a job i go i do my bit and come out what is wrong with that right so it isn't it doesn't exist not just in india it doesn't exist anywhere unless uh, even if you do, were to start your own business for example even that is stressful right it could be 3x more stressful to run your own business than it is for somebody to work on somebody else's stress right somebody else has got the stress of running the company but uh, your job is to just make sure that you do your bit correctly even that is stressful and running your company is also stressful so there's no getting away from it the idea is can you equip yourself to deal with it a little better that could be your survival guide or your survival mechanisms i know you already know about this i won't go deep diving into it but at a high level for those who don't set boundaries that would be my first of the three things set boundaries define clear boundaries between your work life your personal life and communicate them to the colleagues supervisors and clients do not fear triggering a perception or risk losing a job if you communicate that hey i am not available over the weekend if assuming you have a 5 day work job then it is important to communicate that you are not available on saturdays and sundays now while you communicate that you also have to make sure that monday to friday you do not give the company any reason to doubt that your efficiency levels are lower right you give all your reports on time you deliver what is expected of you and all the boxes are checked you know it's that's why i always say when you take up a job 
always ask what constitutes a good job at the end of the year, end of the quarter, end of the month, end of the week. Have these five questions absolutely clear. What are the three things I need to accomplish within this week? Have that conversation on Monday. By Friday, you make sure that you deliver that. Once you do that, you will automatically see, and this is a practical version of it, that it won't, you know, one, it's not an instant gratification thing because the manager doesn't know you as much as yet. If you do this consistently over a period of three months, four months, you will see that the manager begins to trust you, your deliverable, your commitment, and you will you will rise up the ranks of the organization that she is a dependable person. So let's not worry about her. Let's focus on those who are being, who are fluctuating, right? And so earn that star, star on that uh, stripe or whatever that uh, badge of honor is that you are a person who sticks to the commitment and delivers on what they have promised. As long as that is being done repeatedly, I do not see a reason for anybody to interfere in the job that you are doing. There will be those spot checks once in a while. And it's up to you to think about your job a little bit more to anticipate the choke points, which could derail you to, towards completing your work in time by Friday close of business. Right. So anticipate that. Don't land up in that situation and raise your hand and say, oops, it, I could not finish this. So let's uh, skip to the next week and then let's take it from there. And that's what many managers don't like and get worried about. <clears throat> so define those clear boundaries. Ensure that you uh, are efficient at the job that you're being given. Be self-critical about it if need be before somebody else criticizes you as in be very objective about your work. And clearly, this has an impact on your time management. How do you use your time better, right? more efficiently? You know there's going to be traffic on your way to work. So you don't give those excuses that I got delayed because there was a bulldozer on the way or the train didn't start on time or whatever. You have to buffer for these things. So you come in half an hour early if need be. Your work time starts at 9, be at office by 8.30 instead of arriving at 9.30. Start, come in by 8.30. Give yourself some time to relax, plan your day, plan your week and start well ahead of time. Get that extra 20 minutes, 10 minutes to complete some of the pending tasks. And then towards the end of the week, you know that Friday you've got a hard stop at 6 p.m. or 6.30 p.m. Start wrapping up your work so that by two o'clock, three o'clock, you have a report ready on what has been done already. Before people ask you, you should be able to show them here is the end result. Now, I know it probably it's not always possible to do like this, but if on a, there are 52 weeks in the year, if you manage to do that 70% or 80% of the time, then you would have done a great job. There will be some unforeseen things beyond our all calculations and all those things that happens mostly in India. And I, I believe that it's not that I'm un, uh, oblivious to it. Completely outrageous things sometimes happen and very disappointing, but they do. But then it, it's a, an exception, right? It's not a rule. It can't happen to everyone every other week, maybe once in maybe six months. So as long as that frequency is under control, then you know that you've done a good job. So. Set boundaries, time management, be realistic about your expectations, not just from yourself, and uh, but from the 
people around you. If you depend on some people, know what when to stop, right? You know, when to double check, when to, uh, you know, take their word for granted or no, not granted is not the right word, but you depend on them, right? And that you depend on people once you've worked with them over a period of time. Don't take them for granted. But yeah, you can count on them is what I was trying to say. You can count on them. So you know that here is here are a set of people who I can count on. Here are the set of people who I need to double check on. And here are the set of people who can't do this. So I have to figure out a plan B, plan C once my work passes through them in some sense. All right, just to wrap this up, speak up. If you find yourself, despite doing all these checks and balances, and you make sure that all the boxes are checked, you still find yourself highly stressed out. The first thing that you can do is speak up, feel very comfortable sharing it, address the issue, not the person. As I mentioned in the previous episode, address the issue. What is the issue? Discuss the point, not the person. And yes, it could be that the issue is happening because of the person, but separate the two and address the two differently. Have a conversation with the HRBP, have a conversation with your manager. If your manager is the problem, have a conversation with your mentor. If all of this is a problem, go to the skip level. I'm not, it may not be in that sequence, but you will know your situation better. So yeah, don't bottle up, right? It's okay. But while you don't bottle up, don't also become an alarmist when very little has happened and you just raise hell. Oh my God, my life is sinking and you know, that kind of stuff. That also is not advisable because you cry wolf once and people figure out that there is no wolf out there and you're just freaking out. Then that doesn't reflect well on your uh, credibility or equity within the organization. So beware about how you present your case. Do your due diligence before speaking up. Next, documentation. Very, very important that verbal aside, categorically, objectively, write the problem statement, the business impact, and what is it that you recommend. These are all signs of maturity, that you're just not cribbing and complaining. You've identified a problem, you've documented, this is a process of documentation. Here is the problem, here is the recommended, here's the business impact that has happened because of this problem. And here is what I would suggest as a way out. So you become a part of the solution. And then go and seek help with your stakeholders or whoever you want to present this. Seek support. You know, within this organization, you will find people who are not all people are porcupines and, you know, trying to prick you. There will be some good bunny rabbits as well who will be soft and gentle. So look for the people that you can confide in, talk to and uh, exchange information and let it not become a quote-unquote bitching session between each other that, oh, my boss is nasty, my this is nasty, then it is not a helpful, you basically propagate the toxicity. So you don't want to do that. But if there is someone who is mature enough, which you find you know, has the gravitas to listen to your point of view, absolutely go reach out to such people. Uh, consider your options. If the workplace talk is truly toxic and you've tried everything and nothing is working, cannot be remedied then yeah, consider plan B. It's fine. You know, we can always say we can agree to disagree. There always will be the other's point of view and everything. You reached a state where despite all these uh, efforts that you have put in to make things work, you have reached a stage where your belief is contradicting the direction that the company is going in or the set of people that you work with. 
and so it's uh, it's a nice thing to have a heart to heart conversation and say hey you'd like to move on and clearly that that's a separate conversation on how you plan that like do you secretly interview uh, all depends on the equity that you have within the organization i'm guessing that if you decided to quit that means the equity is not at a particularly high level at this point so yes you would probably need to talk to people remember that you will be asked this question that why is it that if you if you've been doing really well why is it that you are quitting a job in say 12 months or 16 months of your joining uh, and so you have to have a story that stitches together which adds up uh, and as long as you are comfortable with that absolutely uh, go ahead and consider the options last and certainly not the least and in fact this should be the first take care of yourself prioritize your physical and mental health do not take it lightly at all take breaks exercise stress reducing activities do something create something you know that's the best stress buster like i create these podcast episodes it's a great stress buster because when i'm creating i cannot think of anything else like i've told all of you guys before that much of this is spontaneous right there is no great editing or sound mixing or anything and so many a times uh, you might find that it's not such a tight script that many other podcasts have and i don't compare myself with anybody but i'm just saying while at times that is sounds very good but it to me also sounds very bookish or textbookish you know, the whole point is to have a real human to human conversation and so when i involve or immerse myself into these conversations what happens is the other stresses that are there on in my mind they kind of take a back seat and i kind of exit energized after i uh, finished recording every episode of bus talk or anisms or the other thing so try creating something that's a good way but if you're not a creator kind of guy, person then least you could do is get some sleep i know it's very difficult when your mind is preoccupied get some sleep you know it doesn't mean you have to go into deep sleep lie down without a gadget that's the <laughs> bottom line lie down without a gadget or however toss and turns that you might need before you get to sleep keep doing that for a couple of weeks and the third fourth week onwards you will start to get better sleep so if you try some of these things it works and if none of these work and you think you're absolutely getting hassled seek help medically right that should be your last option that you've tried everything but you are not able to cope with it and you have con- confided people go to a psychologist or a therapist where they understand your problems and can recommend a better path or better solution be very careful while you go and do these things these are also a you know it's a finding the right therapist itself is a very big task in my view it's very difficult and often they charge what uh, 1000 2000 rupees uh, per hour and all you get to do is you it's almost like talking to a mirror right you are saying the same things to this person who's asking like tell me more and so in a way it helps you process but in a way it, there is no instant gratification you know going to a shrink is not a pill that you you go and do a couple of sessions and then you are voila you are feeling all liberated and resorted and everything it doesn't but what happens is 
that a third person singular who is qualified certified to understand the psychological impact of what you are saying helps you discover the stuff that you're not saying you, know, you might think you're saying everything but they pick up on the non verbals as well the good ones pick up on the non verbals oh, okay this is the underlying problem like so, sometimes you might think i don't belong here and despite everything i just don't think i'm good enough then automatically they know that it's a stockholm syndrome that you're experiencing and uh, somewhere there is a way to deal with it maybe that's the remedial measure that they can share with you so use your discretion in any of these things like i said do what works best for you do not consult too many people because then you get confused net result and impact is very difficult but uh, as long as you know what you're doing then you will be in better position than what you were same time 6 months earlier that's all the time i had for this week do join me on friday 8 pm to 9 pm ist on linkedin audio if you haven't checked out my linkedin profile you can just search for ian ban or ian banerji and uh, go into the events page just uh, like the events page and you will get the notification so friday 8 pm to 9 pm i'm going to discuss the same thing uh, hopefully if i get another guest then uh, i i will have someone to share the stage with me if not you're most welcome to join and i'm happy to have you as a guest speak on the subject if you are well informed it's on fridays 8 pm to 9 pm on linkedin audio likewise uh, do share this podcast with people like yourselves right you are the audience for which i do this i am trying to build an audience which has long attention spans it is not a quick fix you know jiffy like a 3 minute capsule kind of thing it doesn't work there are and i do not criticize those who have that i completely respect that i have one as well it's called www.swellcast.com/bustalk so the same thing is compressed into a less than 5 minute it's micro podcasting and it's a great platform to be in make no mistake but sometimes the kind of topics that i choose in bus talk they require a longish conversation a sit back and relax kind of a conversation if you're on a morning walk or an evening walk or going to bed at night and listening to this then you know it gives you that mental space to think about it the whole idea of bus talk is not to be very prescriptive but to induce you to think and relook at your life the your work life the way you are so and and talk about things and break down complex things into simple things so do share it with people like you share with those who care as i always say do send me a note on linkedin or on my twitter handle that's at ionisms a a y a n i s m s you can reach me via twitter the fastest the notifications come fast followed by linkedin or you can leave a voice message in the link below look at there is a small link just record a small quick message the entire bus talk directory of uh, all the other episodes you know the entire archival episodes is available on podpage.com/bustalk p o d p a g e.com 
slash bus talk. And all of these links are there on my Twitter profile. So if you go click on my Twitter profile, you will see the link tree uh, link. And once you click there, you will know how to get in touch with me. Should any of you need a professional advice from a career on the topics that I can talk about, then you can also opt for a paid consultation. Last, but and it's there on that uh, on, on on my Twitter profile. You you can book a one-hour session there with a specific question, and I'd be if I can, I I will be happy to answer those questions specifically, which are custom for you. Last but not the least, as I had mentioned at the top of the year, and those the new listeners, you know that I'm writing a book on uh, management, or should I call it a management book for Indian corporates or not that folks from US or Germany or any part of Europe, you know, people are the same across the world as in management by and large, but largely the content that I'm writing is dedicated for the Indian ecosystem. And the fact that most of the big tech interacts with global audiences. So the global audiences will also find a lot of material in it for them, especially those who are interacting with Indians for the first time. There are going to be a lot of mythbusters, aha moments, word of cautions, those kind of things. And it's written very humorously in the sense I'm so tired of, of reading those big mumbo jumbo, paradigm shifting, big management books and all respect to them. I'm not even capable of uh, writing such stuff. What I've done is I've simplified it as is the essence of bus talk and picked up a few topics about the entire corporate world in their corporate people, not corporate world, uh, the corporate world in India, let's put it that way, in India, and how it works, what happens, what are the difficulties in hiring, recruiting, onboarding, and many other such topics. And so that book is nearing completion. I'm going through the edits right now. Hopefully, I'll find a publisher. And if you know anybody, do send a note to me. I can connect to any of the publishers out there and uh, see if uh, they're willing to publish my book. Anywho, till we meet the next time, hopefully on Friday. Uh, stay well, stay safe and keep getting your A-game to work. This is your host, Ayan. And you were listening to Bus Talk. Peace out.